My name is Ian Burns. I'm the president and CEO of Service Credit Union. We understand that money can be complex, emotional, and sometimes uncomfortable as a topic to navigate. In our over 80 plus years in helping our members with financial fitness, we've seen a lot. Welcome to Open Money, a podcast series by Service Credit Union. Through our guest stories, we will unpack the emotional relationships that people have with money in an open, raw, and respectful way. We will be diving into the emotion and challenges in managing one's finances and the resources to help you feel good about your money. Let's get into it. Fresh out of university, I landed my dream job at one of the top four accounting firms, and I thought I had made it. Needless to say, I also spent my money like I had made it. But reflecting back on it now, so many of my spending decisions were done to keep up with appearances. When my peers showed up to the office with the latest handbag or winter jacket, I followed with the same. But that really wasn't my reality. I was living at home and had to pay for my own rent, my own groceries, and keep my own lights on before I could spend money on a new coat or bag. Even though I knew this, it was so easy to ignore. Until one day I faced reality and realized I had accumulated a significant amount of debt and could barely afford the rent to my condo. I created a false lifestyle that I could no longer maintain. I sought the help of a mentor who then showed me how to better manage my money and actually stick to a budget. I moved into a basement apartment so I could save more and pay down my debts. In working with so many in my financial coaching practice, I see the impacts of financial peer pressure all the time. One of the ways I help my clients break through the cycle is by having them set one huge heart-centered financial goal. This is a goal that really sets their soul on fire. For some of my clients that has been buying their first home or taking their boys on their first ever beach vacation. When you set such a goal, you now have something that is at stake. Your entire mindset shifts and the emotional desire to look good for others is replaced by the emotional longing to actually live the financial life you've been dreaming of. I once came across this quote and I repeat it to my clients all the time. One that I think we should remember when we feel financial peer pressure nipping at our heels. The quote is this, I used to care what people thought about me until I tried to pay my bills with their opinions. I'm Vanessa Bowen, and you're listening to Open Money. Blake Carter is a radio host, most recently with Toronto's Flow 93.5 hip-hop station. Growing up with an insecure relationship around money, paired with a high-profile career, she found her bank account was very susceptible to that keeping up with the Joneses effect. First of all, whenever I just think about growing up in money, the first thoughts that come to my mind are arguments and stress and uncomfortable situations. Um, I grew up where we didn't have a lot of money. Um, my parents were working really hard to try to support us. They were new to Canada. We just knew there was this tension with my parents. And obviously, as I started to get older, I realized, you know, after a trip to the mall, we would come home. My dad would be angry. Or he'd see us getting ready to go somewhere like to the mall and there'd be some kind of argument or some kind of tension. So um, I always kind of like associated this fun thing, like going shopping or getting new back to school clothes with also like the negativity that I knew was going to come later that night with my parents probably arguing about how much my mom had spent um, or how we shouldn't have spent any money at all. And as Blake gained more success with her media career, 
her credit card definitely felt the pinch. You definitely overspend to keep up with the Joneses, especially coming into like the media career that I did when I very first started, I was making nothing, but you still have to go to events and do live on locations. But as social media started to really blow up at first in radio, I could be behind the microphone. No one had to really see me except for promo photos. Whereas now they want to film everything. So that means being on camera every day. That means doing your makeup, which costs money every day, getting your hair freshly done, having cute outfits, especially as a woman, I've noticed uh, people pick up on what you're wearing a lot more than your male counterpart. You can work with a guy who wears the same white t-shirt in every single video and no one says a word, but I wear the same white t-shirt twice in two weeks. And it's, is White going to keep wearing that same t-shirt again? Does she have any other clothes? So um, keeping up with just even at my job, Trying, and, and also being in, on a radio show, you've got to kind of keep up with the trends and stuff. When a few major life events happened in quick succession, it shocked Blake into realizing that as her debt mounted, she was really the only one who could be her own money hero. Well, first of all, it was like just always living life, constantly being stressed about my finances. And, and I think when I was younger, I would just always be like, eventually I'll kind of grow up and figure it out. You just think when you get older that you'll all of a sudden, the tools will all of a sudden just show up in your brain. And now you're really great with your money and you learn to save and you budget. But I'm like, I'm getting older and older. And I'm like, I'm still the same as I was when I was a teenager. Um, Just, I had life events, Uh, things happen. My, one of my dogs who um, recently I had to put down, he got really sick and he had pet insurance, but we maxed out the pet insurance and um, I needed more money. And I had been dating somebody I was supporting at the time, like helping, he had lost his job. So I was helping him financially. And so I'd help this person out. And now I need help with my dog. And this person has no means to help me. And I'm at the age where I don't want to go to my parents. And so it was just kind of like life emergencies happening where I was like, I don't have a backup now. That's it. And so I think what really hit me was just watching the interest on credit cards pile up. Cause that's something I didn't think about when I, I was like, cool, I'm approved for another this much money, X amount of money. And then you start spending it, but there's interest and seeing that. And then being in a situation in the animal hospital with my dog and I needed to pay X amount of money. And I'm like, I do not have this. And the people I've helped out financially are like crickets. <laughs> so that was kind of like my rock bottom. As Blake sought professional money advice, she looked her boogeyman square in the face by assessing all the details of her debt and zoomed out to get philosophical about it all. After all that work, it clicked for her that she was using her money to portray a life to the outside world that she didn't even really have without getting in touch with herself about how she could use her money to live a life she actually wanted. And if she could give advice to those going through the same thing, here are her pearls of wisdom. I think just always remembering how you're going to feel after, like after you obtain that thing. Like I look around sometimes, like and I force myself to do it. Like I'll look at my handbags or something and I'm like, look at that one bag you wanted so badly. And now like it's at the back of your closet. You barely even touch it. Like not to say not to buy. If, if you love handbags, you love like clothing, whatever your thing is you love, don't stop. But just, it's just, You got to just rewire that it's not a necessity. Like the world is not going to end if I don't buy a $500 Halloween costume because like, you know, and if I don't have the best one in there and all these people are going to judge me because also everything is over in like a blip. You get so worked up for these moments and I have to have the best 
30th birthday outfit or the best this or this. And then that night's gone. Bruce Celery has got his money priorities straight. He spent a lifetime assessing what he considers to be his own personal quick wins and slow wins when it comes to his finances. Bruce is the author of the Globe and Mail's best-selling book, Moolala, Why Smart People Do Dumb Things With Their Money and What You Can Do About It. He's also a money columnist on CBC Radio, Money Sense, and CityLine in Toronto. And he hosts his own investing podcast, Moolala, Money Made Simple. Bruce believes that much like any version of peer pressure, knowing yourself And what matters to you is how you cultivate a personal shield when it comes to social pressure and your bank account. But first place to start, he says, take a look at your automatic monthly subscriptions. So I think there are quick wins that are both immediately gratifying and can make a big difference. And then there are quick wins that, you know, they might feel good, but don't actually help the bigger picture. And an ability to discern what is going to make the biggest difference is a skill we need to develop, whether that change is slow and we're going to have to work at it over time, or whether it's super quick and it'll take a few clicks of a button. So let's take subscriptions, right? We live in an era of subscriptions. We have them all over the place and we're largely oblivious to how many we have and what they cost us because they're just, it's just sort of what we have. So a quick win would be to pull out your credit card statement for the last couple of months, go through it and eliminate all your subscriptions for everything. And then add back the ones that on reflection, you realize you really, really want. So streaming services, magazines, websites, whatever it is, a quick win is just delete them all. And I'm oversimplifying here because some are like your subscription is, you know, over the course of a year or, you know, may have a work reason to have a subscription. But I think that's an example of where we can get more control over our spending by getting ruthless about what is going to make the biggest difference for us. In 1989, Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and it's since sold 20 million copies worldwide. In the book, he details a framework that includes your circle of influence, the circumstances, issues, or problems that we have indirect control over, and our circle of control, or those circumstances, issues, or problems we have direct control over. Bruce says, Keeping this framework in mind as he considers what he wants his money to be for is often what he thinks about when faced with the kind of financial peer pressure he wants to wriggle free from. I think why we are so susceptible to peer pressure is something grounded in being human. So there's a a framework called your circle of influence and your circle of control. And it is so powerful for us to focus on what is within our circle of influence and our circle of control when it comes to our money. There are lots of things that are outside of those circles that um, we actually don't need to pay attention to. So how do you overcome this financial peer pressure, I think you pay attention to what is within your circle of control, your circle of influence, but you also go back to basics and you earn the right to flaunt your wealth and you earn the right to have that weekend trip to Cabo when you have done some very basic things. The very basic things that you need to do begin with living within your means. So your income needs to exceed your expenses. If your income is not exceeding your 
expenses, you do not have the right to order in takeout food. You do not have the right to order a blouse on a fast fashion website. And when I say you do not have the right, it's your money. You do whatever the heck you want. It's just you need to pay attention to the consequence of living beyond your means. So number one is cash flow. Number two is eliminating debt, right? To zero every single month to zero, like zero, no debt, nothing on a credit card to zero. If you are doing those things, spend the money however the holy heck you want. And though he's only too aware that there's sometimes a generational clash between valuing time versus valuing money, Bruce warns that there's a difference between living in the moment and being hoodwinked by social media and digital marketing. I was doing an interview with one of the co-founders of Skip the Dishes, and he was like, wait a sec, my generation values things very differently. We value time. So we're going to order and take out food as a way to save time, and then, you know, we can live our life, which is genius and fine and fantastic. However, the point I made to him was that you need to earn the right to spend your money in that way. And in the absence of the big picture, if you've got, you know, that meal that you're ordering is going on a credit card and you can't afford to pay that credit card off in full every single month, you can't afford takeout food. So whether it saves you time or gives you pleasure or whatever reason you are telling yourself that that's a valid purchase, it doesn't hold up because you simply can't afford it. And I think there is a, you know, a fundamental disinterest in us addressing the reality of what we can afford. And credit cards enable us to spend beyond our means. Plus, we have all these inputs of consumerism coming from social media and advertising and digital marketing and all those things that make it very difficult for us to make choices for ourselves about what makes the most, most sense for us today and for the future. Before the start of the pandemic and lockdown, so much of our socializing had moved online anyway. And then during lockdown, it essentially had to be 100% online, which meant even more time spent comparing ourselves to our social circle, to spend time doom scrolling our phones, and to indirectly help sharpen the algorithm to make sure those targeted ads are basically reading our minds. And all of that can be a recipe to put that keeping up with the Joneses' desire into overdrive. As Bruce puts it, he was eating without being hungry, and he knew that had to stop. So I used to have everything on my phone and I wasn't an active poster, but I was an active consumer. So I have taken all of it off my phone. Um, the second thing is when I do go seek it out, when I go look for it, um, I have a three post rule and this is particular to Facebook. I'm not really on Instagram. I will look at three posts and then I will pause and ask myself, do I feel better having consumed that material? And sometimes the answer will be yes, and I will continue to scroll and, oh, my cousin Jenna had a new baby and so cute and, oh, it's so great. I love all that stuff. And sometimes the answer will be no. And so I will immediately put the phone down and move on to something else. This goes back to my notion of circle of influence versus circle of control. There is much about financial peer pressure that is outside of both of those realms, but so much of it is within our circle of influence and our circle of control. Just stop going on social media. No one has a gun to your head saying you need to scroll Instagram or TikTok or whatever platform for 30 minutes a day. No one is requiring you to do that. It is 100% within your circle of control to remove that from your diet. 
The effect of peer pressure in whatever form it comes at you is at its core, believing that people are right. And if you listen to them, you'll be accepted. It's as old a trick that's played on the human psyche as any other. And getting strict with yourself about whose opinion counts and why, says Bruce, is at the root of busting the sting of peer pressure, financial or otherwise. Um, I'm a parent, as you know, and it is so easy for people to feel like they're not doing a great job because other celebrities are doing it different or better. It's so easy for you to hear negative comments in a playground or uh, or online that have you feel like you're not doing a great job. You need to be really, really careful about whose opinion you say counts in parenting, in health, and in personal finance. And when you find those people uh, whose opinion you believe counts, and it's probably not very many, listen to them, be inspired by them, march forward and um, create a great life. It's the best design project ever. Hi, my name is Lindsay Brian Podvin. I'm a social worker and financial therapist, and my business is called Mind Money Balance, where I help people at the intersection of money and mental health. As a financial therapist, Lindsay sees clearly the ways in which we did not leave peer pressure behind when we left the playground and how it can manifest through our bank accounts. Peer pressure and spending is an interesting topic because a lot of us think that we are not susceptible to peer pressure once we're past the age of like 12, but we absolutely are. And if you don't know what I'm thinking, think about when you scroll on Sunday morning through your Instagram feed and you see all of those stories of your friends going out to brunch and all of a sudden avocado toast and a mimosa sounds really appealing and you need to get to the cutest spot so you can also take that little boomerang or selfie of you out to brunch. So the way that I see peer pressure show up now is much more about kind of the proof that you have done the thing that is fun or exciting. So it's not as much, oh, you have the cool new Nikes. I want them too. It's much more about kind of putting on airs or keeping up appearances that gets people into trouble. And the problem, Vanessa, as I'm sure you know, is that We're trying to kind of keep up appearances with our peers when we actually don't really know how they are or aren't doing with their money. Because all we see is the external. We see the fancy brunch. We see the nice new car. We see the cute new outfit. But we don't know if that person can safely afford it. We don't know if they're taking out um, a big loan or putting it on buy now, pay later. All we see is the external and we try to match that external instead of actually knowing what is actually going on with that person's finances and whether or not they're in a safe enough space to be doing the things they seem to be kind of showing off that they are doing. But I wondered, not all desires to be connected are rooted in some kind of insecurity. What's the sweet spot between feeling socially connected and too much social peer pressure? Such a good question. And one thing that I often say to clients is that your friends, your peers, your social circle also likely doesn't want to be spending money and trying to keep up with appearances all the time either. It becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy of you see these cute selfies out. And also a lot of our socialization is really revolved around eating and drinking 
I love a good meal and I love a fun cocktail. And at the same time, there's so much more to do to connect with your social circle and your peers outside of those two activities. So I often invite my clients to kind of get creative about what types of things they want to try to do, or if they could have a friend join them for an activity, what would come up for them? So I think it's really important to think about what are things that I like to do outside of those two kind of go-to activities and how can I invite my friends along? One of my new kind of go-to activities, I have a dog who's currently sleeping at my feet right now. But as anytime I'm getting ready to go for a long walk with my dog, I just text my friends in the neighborhood and say, hey, I'm going to be going for a walk soon. Does anyone want to join? And that's a really fun way for us to connect with one another, to get to see the neighborhood and to just kind of connect without it having to be something where we're spending money. It's a great point that social activity doesn't necessarily require you to spend money, but it's definitely so rooted in the society we live in. I asked Lindsay. How do you approach the psychological aspect of the ways in which peer pressure shows up in our lives when she's trying to help clients break free of that very thing? So I usually ask them, how important are the things that you're spending money on if you weren't able to share them with others? Meaning, would you still want to do that very trendy brunch spot if you weren't allowed to Instagram it or you weren't allowed to put it on TikTok? How important is it to you to actually do those things? And are they really in alignment with your values? Me, I'm a movie person. I love movies. I love TV. I love the entire event of like, going and getting my popcorn and sitting down before the previews start. <laughs> like, And I like staying through the end. The, that's an, a, a hobby of mine or an interest of mine that I love doing and I'm happy to spend money on. And I would do it even if I didn't need that social validation or that social proof um, from you know my peers or my friends. So I often ask my clients, what are the things that you would do and bring you joy outside of worrying about what others think? And so often that will help them to really consider how important is brunching to my identity? Maybe it's super important and maybe it isn't at all. Maybe for you, you really have a deep interest in music. And so you're happy to spend money on things like music lessons or going to concerts or making it to open mic nights. Then that would be something I would encourage you to do. Research shows again and again that when we spend on experiences of things that matter to us, we're much more likely to report a long-term happiness on that money that we spent on that thing if it's something that we're interested in versus just spending money on things because we think that's what we're supposed to be doing in our 20s, 30s, or 40s. So many of our social events or connections revolve around spending money, and we're just used to that. It's habit. But just like breaking any habit and creating a new one, Lindsay says it's a muscle to strengthen. It takes time to get comfy to say, hey, I actually don't want to go out for drinks or that's not important to me. And just getting comfortable kind of flexing that muscle and kind of getting used to saying no and setting up some boundaries. As I mentioned, so many of my clients are craving connections with people that don't revolve around spending money. 
And other people are thrilled to have the opportunity to do something a little bit different. So it might feel a little weird at first to suggest an activity that isn't about going out for drinks or going to a restaurant, but I promise you that it will be worth it and that so many people out there are craving this type of connection as well. Peer pressure is often rooted in our deep human desire to be accepted. Blake attempted to chase a lifestyle that she thought would make her happy and learned that feeling less stressed and more in control of her finances is in fact what makes her happiest. Bruce reminds his clients to get clear on their circle of influence and to be really prudent when they decide whose opinion matters most in terms of how they spend their money. And Lindsay reminds us that at the core of social pressure is our desire for social connection that engaging in social activities without spending money is not only possible, but can remind you of your values and who you actually enjoy spending time with without the price tag. Peer pressure is truly a normal part of being human, but when that pressure to financially keep up with your neighbors gets too much in the way of your goals or sense of peace, it might be time to ask yourself and remind yourself, what do you really want your money to be for? On the next episode of Open Money, we're looking at millennials and boomers, two generations with very different financial opportunities who sometimes have trouble understanding each other's choices. Are they doomed to truly never see eye to eye? Open Money is written and produced by Julia De Laurentiis Johnston. It's hosted by me, Vanessa Bowen, with help from Ian Burns, Service Credit Union CEO. Content strategy is by Chris T. Our theme song is by Andrew Austin. Ryan Thompson of Hot Slice Media edits our show. And Open Money is a production of Service Credit Union. Thank you to our guests this episode, Blake Carter, Bruce Celery, and Lindsay Bryan Podvin for lending us their time to record this show remotely. If you like what you heard, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about Open Money too. I'm Vanessa Bowen. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Service Credit Union. Feel good about your money.